hey, welcome to CrossFit. Again, if you were here at the earlier part, if you snuck in, welcome to Cross Creek. My name is John, I'm the lead pastor here. If you're watching online, that's still true for you as well. We're so glad that you are watching and you are part of um, On Demand Cross Creek, is what I'm trying to get us to call it. Because you can watch it anywhere. Did you know that, guys? You can watch it anywhere, <coughs> anytime, for as long as you want. Like, you can watch it and then you don't have to rewind, just watch it again. You can binge watch all of this. So that would be great for you. Uh, but hey, thanks, thanks for watching online, wherever you are. And if you scroll all the way down that page, there's like actually things you can do. There's like next steps you can take. You can ask for prayer, you can ask a question, all that kind of stuff. And if you're here live, you can do that as well. Don't scroll down, because I don't know what you do. But uh, in the seat in front of you, there's the welcome card. And on the back of that, it says, so what about? That's your chance to ask any question you have about anything I say here tonight, or anything you've been thinking about, about Christianity, Jesus, God, anything like that. You write a question in that box, or a prayer request in the other box, and you put it in another box at the information table in the lobby, and we will get back to you this week, hopefully, with um, maybe not an answer, maybe an answer, but more maybe like, hey, have you thought of this? This further the conversation a little bit. So that's what that is for. And as, as you saw, we are in a series called The Real Jesus. This is part three of a four-part series. You're like right in the meat of it. This is like where the hero in the movie gets beat up really bad by the bad guy, right? But it's going to turn around really well in the second half. That's, that's where we are right now. All right, it's going to turn around really well. Not that easy. Anyway, so The Real Jesus. There's a big interest in the real Jesus this time of year. Just on Netflix today, I saw there's another, another series on who is Jesus. Because it's Easter season. And even in our world where, you know, believe whatever you want, do whatever you want, you know, is there really a Jesus? People are still interested in that question. Is there a real Jesus? In fact, he, Jesus really is the most famous person in human history. I did a little bit of research, and apparently there are 25 million Google searches a month for Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Who is Jesus? 25 million Google searches a month. It's interesting. Even, and this, for some reason this has always interested me, uh, you know, Jesus, the name, we've even turned it into like a swear word. Which, you know, if you don't believe Jesus was God, you don't even believe maybe Jesus existed, yet you still use him to swear, I, I don't understand it. You know, I'm not trying to fight against it. Jesus can defend himself. But it's just interesting to me that even Jesus is one of our big swear words. Why is that? Like, what's the big deal about, about Jesus? Why do you, or maybe someone you know, someone who invited you here, somebody who asked you to watch, why have they devoted their life to this guy? Why are you right now taking time out of your week, an hour out of your week, to hear some guy talk about some historical figure. Like, what's... Do you do that for any other historical figure? Like, oh, guys, you've got to come with me. They're doing this lecture on Alexander the Great. <laughs> it's every Sunday for an hour. So it's, it, they, they, like, go through the same book every week. And they sing songs about Alexander that you've got to come. Like, we don't do that. What's the difference? So who is he? Who is Jesus? And I think this is an important question to ask, an important, important question to answer. Because we need to know 
If you call yourself a Jesus follower, who or what are you actually following? And maybe you're here, you're interested in Jesus, you're interested in Christianity, maybe you're checking things out. Who is it that you are actually checking out? We need to find this real Jesus, and maybe even maybe even consider following him. Because I think this is important, because if we can find the real Jesus, we can find the real us and real life. So we said when we first started this series, if we can find the real Jesus, we actually can find who we were really meant to be and the life we were really meant to live, that we can have today and forever. And so when you ask people, who is the real Jesus, you get a lot of opinions. Right? Oh, he was a good teacher, he was a good man, he was a prophet, he was a healer. You know, it's, it's uh, one of the popular opinions is, oh, well, he probably existed, but we could never really know who he was. Right? You know, he's, he's lost to history. And of course, we have primary sources that say, you know, this is who Jesus is, and we can talk about that another time. But really, there can only be one real Jesus. There can only be one historical Jesus. Jesus. It's not like, well, I feel like, you know, Jesus was, he was a good teacher and a good healer, but he didn't really die on the cross. You can't do that and have somebody say, well, he, he died on the cross and he's God and he's my savior. You can't have both. You can't both be true. That's illogical, right? And so in attempting to find the real Jesus, what we're doing in the series, we're answering four questions. First question we answered in our first week was, did Jesus exist? I think we proved historically, yes, Jesus did actually exist in ancient Palestine. Then last week we talked about what did he teach. We learned that God is our, he taught that God is our Father who loves us and is involved and interested in every aspect of our lives. That's what he taught. This week we're going to talk about what he did. And then next week we're going to talk about who did he say he actually was. Like if you're trying to find the real Jesus, well, what did he say about himself? So that's next week. Don't miss it. Don't miss it online either. So what did Jesus do? That's our topic tonight. What did Jesus do? What makes him different than other religious leaders? Like, is he just another religious leader, another religious teacher, or is there something different about him? That's a big question. So what did Jesus do? Well, he taught about God. So did others. So did other religious leaders, right? Well, he, he healed people. No other people claimed to be healers as well, and they claimed to be healed by this healer. So, that's great. Oh, he, you know, he made some wine and he made some jokes. Which, by the way, Jesus was hilarious. You just have to read it in the right context. There's, there's a whole series on the jokes. We're going to have to do that here. A whole series on the jokes. He did a sarcasm. Anyway, we'll get there. So he made some wine and some jokes. So with a lot of people, right? So what makes him different? Well, he did miracles. He was a miracle worker. So were others. Well, he, he challenged the status quo of society. He did but so did others. That's not what makes him different. Well, he started a religion. So did others. Well, okay, well, he predicted his death and resurrection, and he pulled it off. Well, so did, no. Nobody else has actually done that. Come back on Easter, let's talk about that part. Right? His death, he predicted his death and resurrection, and then he pulled it off. That is different. But why did he do that? Right? We know, you know, Jesus on the cross rose, died for our sins, rose. Why did he do that? He died for our sins, to save us from our sins. That's great. That's true. That's amazing. We sing about it. We, we devote our lives to it. But there's more to it than that. There's more significance to it 
than just that. How does him dying and rising again change our lives now and forever? Why is that such a significant part of who Jesus is? Like, what did that actually do when he died and rose again? And so what we're going to discover tonight is this. Jesus changed religion forever. That's why he's important. Jesus changed religion forever. And he actually explains it himself right before his execution. His predicted execution, by the way. We're going to read about it in Luke chapter 22. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. It's all going to be on the screen. If you're watching online, it'll be on your screen as well. But what we're going to read is during what we call the Last Supper. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've seen a painting about it. Right? It didn't look anything like that, but that's okay. No, he just sits at one long table all looking the same way, having a meal. That's weird, but it works for Michelangelo. Michelangelo? Yeah, it wasn't looking cheap. Good job, me. <laughs> so, what, are, what they're doing at this meal is actually a, uh, a traditional Passover meal that these, you know, they're, they're, they're Jewish men in the Jewish culture, following the Jewish religion at the time, and they're doing their Passover meal. It's a big deal for the Jewish religion. It's still, it's still a big deal to have this meal. And what they're doing is they're eating different foods, drinking wine to represent their deliverance from Egypt when they were slaves in Egypt and God delivered them, you know, with Moses and the Ten Plagues and crossing the Red Sea and all that kind of stuff. That's what they're celebrating. In fact, in fact, the, uh, this Passover meal was one of the commands God gave them to do. After, you know, when he gave them the Ten Commandments, they said, oh, also, have these feasts. And the Passover meal was one of those things that God commanded them to do. And so that's what these guys are doing. They're, they're having this traditional Passover feast. Or dinner, if you will. And so we, we're going to pick up what Jesus said in Luke 22, starting at verse 19. So he, Jesus, took bread gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Now, it wasn't actually his body. He wasn't crazy thinking, here's my body. No, it's symbolic, okay? Some people forget that. This is my body given for you. Do this, do this meal in remembrance of me. Eat bread in remembrance of me. See, he's saying this bread that has been representing their deliverance from Egypt. See, it was unleavened bread, but it didn't have the leaven in it to give it time to rise because when the, the Israelite slaves had to leave Egypt, they didn't have time to put yeast in their bread to let it rise. And so it was unleavened bread. And so they're, they're eating this bread. It represents their, their freedom from Egypt. And, God, and Jesus said, from now on, when you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. This, this bread represents me. And the disciples, they're... They're raised Jewish, they're good Jewish boys. I'm pretty sure if they're paying attention and not like sleeping, and you know, like in the painting where you're sleeping, if they're actually paying attention, they're like, um, hey, Peter, did he just did he just say what I think he said? I think so. We should let him finish, but doesn't this bread represent us having to leave Egypt quickly? He said, do this, what we've done since we were little kids. Now do it in remembrance of me. Now see, what that would be like, and I think we've talked about this, before, what that would be like is me saying, hey guys, April 20th, we're going to celebrate Easter. Okay, It's going to be great. A, your invite, it's going to be awesome, 
But instead of celebrating Jesus' resurrection, we're going to celebrate me. Right? So from now on, whenever it's like the springtime, celebrate me. Because, I mean, come on. Right? Oh, and you know Christmas? From now on, let's, let's move Christmas to February 15th, because that's my birthday. So from now on, Christmas is about me and we're moving it. That's basically what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, this Passover meal that represents all of Israel being saved and becoming a nation, from now on, take bread in remembrance of me. It's about me. That's the weight of what he's saying here. He's focusing this high Jewish holiday on himself now. Now, I think the disciples might have been a little used to this because it's nothing new. Jesus did that with the, the entire Torah, the entire Jewish scriptures. In John 5, he says this, He's talking to the religious leaders. You study the scriptures, the Torah, the the law that Moses gave them. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. You think that in your religion you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He's saying all those Jewish scriptures, all the laws Moses gave you, that you've been following, you've based your nation on for forever, hundreds and hundreds of years, that you've based your lives on, they're all about me. That's like me taking the Bible and saying, hey, see this verse? That's about John. Isn't that crazy? That's the significance of what he's doing. And, and here's what we, what, what we see with religion, right? Searching the scriptures diligently. All religions have been trying to search for a way to God. If you think about it, that's kind of what religion is, right? Trying to find God. Hey, I found God. Trying to get God, or even gods, to notice them. To make their lives better. To heal them, to protect them, to not smite them. Right? They, to have every religion has an organized system of beliefs. Believe this, believe that, believe that, and you're in. Well, you, you believe a little bit differently about that, well then you're out, and there's a church across the street for you for that kind of, type of weird belief, right? Have the right beliefs, do the right ceremonies, follow the right rules, and you're in. You're in on religion. See, all these religions, Christian, sometimes Christianity, Judaism, all just Islam, the pagan religions of the ancient world, all trying to do something about the evil problem, about the sin problem. See, because when we sin, when we, when we hurt other people, when we break the law of love, there's a separation. Right? When we do evil, there's a separation. We're separated, and we feel that. We're separated from the person we hurt. There's a broken relationship there. Right? When, our, when our kids hit each other, and they get mad, and they, and they yell... We hit, no, we don't. But we say, hey, you need to apologize. No, I'm sorry. No. Think about it. What, you, what did you just do? Well, I hit them. Yeah, but you broke the relationship with them. You need to do something to fix that relationship. There's a separation, right? And when we do evil, we, we're separated from ourselves. We don't, we don't want to look at ourselves in the mirror. We don't want to be alone with our own thoughts. There's a separation there. And there's a separation with our Heavenly Father. Because when we hurt other people, we hurt his kids. When you hurt my kid, we have a separation in our relationship. <laughs> Alright? It's the same way. So sin separates. And so what all these other religions have been trying to do, what all religions have been trying to do, is find a way to fix that separation. And so they, they go to sacred places, sometimes called temples. And they listen to sacred men, sometimes called priests. And they try to use these sacred things to fix that separation. Sacred men who can help you be good with God or be good with the gods. It, it involves a lot of groveling if you've been involved in this type of religion. 
Maybe in, for the Jews and other religions, it's involved a lot of sacrifices. Like in, in the Jewish Torah, there's a lot of sacrifices you need to make in order to make yourself right with God. And every time you break again that law, you got to make another sacrifice. A lot of groveling, groveling, a lot of sacrifices. And Jesus said, you don't need that anymore. The search is over. You've been searching for God. You've been searching for a way to fix that broken relationship. The search is over. What you've been searching for is me. See, Jesus said he is the answer religion searches for. Jesus said he is the answer religion searches for. All that sacrifice, all that groveling has actually been a search for Jesus. So everyone, according to Jesus, everyone who's been trying to reach God through religion has been missing the point. In fact, the Apostle Paul even went further on that in Colossians. He said, therefore, not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. All religious practices, ceremonies, that type of thing. These are a shadow. All the religions, all the ways to reach God were a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality of what all these things have represented is actually found in Jesus. So let's dig deeper into this idea. If religion is the search for God, and Jesus said the search is over, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying religion is over. Religion is over, what do we replace it with? I'm so glad you asked that question, because he answers it. In the same way, after the, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. A new covenant. He was talking about this cup of wine that he had. It represents the blood that he's about to spill, that he's predicting will be spilled. The new covenant. Well, what's a covenant? That's a great question, too. Good job. The covenant is like a contract. An agreement. Really big idea in the ancient world. I mean, we still have contracts here, right? Basically, it's this. If you do that, I will do this. If you give me $30,000, I'll give you that car that you want. Right? It's a contract. It's an agreement. If you do that, then I will do this. So if there's a new covenant... What's the old covenant? What's the old agreement? See, after delivering the Jews from Egypt with Mount Sinai and Moses and all that, I think, I think the movie The Ten Commandments usually comes out right about now too because Passover's coming with, with Easter. After delivering the Jews from Egypt, God made an agreement, a contract, a covenant with this new nation he was creating out of these former slaves. And here's basically the gist of it. Exodus. Comes right... Now. Oh, it is there. I'm sorry. Well, it was already there. My bad, Ollie. I'm going to learn how to read English soon. Okay, so here, here, here's the gist of the covenant. Now, if you, if you obey me fully, you just given them laws, basically Ten Commandments, but expanded. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, our agreement with each other, then out of all, the, out of all nations, you will be my treasured, treasured possession. If you obey the law, if you, then I will make you my treasured possession. He goes on. 
Then he sent, this is Moses, right? Then he sent, he, Moses, sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. That's our part. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And so God and the Israelite nation made a covenant together that if they follow the law, he will be their God. He will take care of them. They will be his special people. Basically, if you follow the laws and rules, you will be blessed. When you break them, offer sacrifices to cover your sin. If you don't do that, if you don't follow that, then you'll go into exile, which they did. Other nations, they forgot about God, they forgot about the covenant, and other nations came and conquered them. The Babylonians, for one. So if you follow these laws, then I will protect you. If you, then I. If you don't follow the laws, then I won't. See how that makes, how that works? With this old covenant, there's a lot of sacrifices, because when you break, if you read Leviticus, just for one, or Exodus, and read all the laws, it's pretty easy to break them. You can't break a lot. You get to make a sacrifice. There's a lot of sacrifices going on. But this old covenant was temporary. It was never meant to last forever. It was never meant to be a way for us to always interact with God, especially if you're not a Jewish person. Here's what God actually said later on in Jeremiah, through the prophet Jeremiah. God said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So God's saying he's going to replace this old covenant with a new, with a better covenant. And it's not like the old covenant. It's not based on, if you do this, then I'll do that. There was none, nothing that says, if you, then I. It's all saying, I will, I will, I will, I will. It's all based on God. No longer is it this two-way. It's all reliant on God. It's not dependent on us doing anything. God said, I will provide a solution to the sin problem, the separation problem. Because killing animals, sacrificing animals, doesn't really do anything to wash away what you did. Right? If you murder somebody, and then you kill a bull because you're sorry, that doesn't make up for the dead person. Now you just have a dead person and a dead bull. See, there aren't enough sacrifices. There aren't enough prayers. There aren't enough good works you can do to make up for your evil and fix the separation. Not, you can't, see, you can't bribe God with something he wants or something he needs to get on his good side, right? You can't, it's not like God's like, you know what, oh my gosh, I'm just, I can't believe you, you, you lied to your parents when you were little. You did that in college. I saw it, don't worry. And, and now you're doing this at work? Well, God, I'm... Here, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give 20 bucks to the church. Oh, wow, thanks. That's awesome. No, so, so but, but I, wanted, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, 
to lie to this person, but I didn't. Oh, wow. You were obedient. Wow, thanks for that little gift of obedience. Everything's good now. There's nothing God needs from you. He has it all. He's God. There's nothing He wants. He's good. So our little acts of obedience, like, oh, God knows, it doesn't do anything. See, you can never do enough good to be good enough. You can never do enough good be good enough to be for God to say, oh, you know, you know all that bad stuff you did, all that evil, all those people you heard, okay. Thanks for making up for it. It doesn't work that way. So God said, I'm gonna make a new covenant. I will, I will make a way to wipe out your past, to wipe out that separation, to wipe out your sin. A way not to just give you a new start, but to give you a new life, a complete do-over. And so in saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus is saying, the way to God is here. The new covenant is here. It's in my blood that I'm about to spill. And it's not a program. It's not a method. It's not even a religion. It's me. I am the way to God. He's saying, my death will be the final sacrifice ever needed. The final spilling of blood to cover sin will be me. My death is the final act that ends religion. Our attempt to reach God ends religion forever. So we ask the question, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Jesus ended religion by providing complete forgiveness. Jesus ended religion by providing complete forgiveness. In fact, when he was on the cross, just a few hours after, after saying these words, when he was on the cross, when he was about to die, he yelled out, it is finished, or it is paid in full. The old covenant is finished. The debt that we owed for our evil is paid for now. The blood has finally been spilled. The, the last sacrifice has been made. There's now a way to God. Jesus' death paid the penalty that we earned, that we deserve, because of our evil. So following Jesus, then, is not a religion, is it? Christianity is not a continuation of past religions. It's not just another evolutionary step in our religious thinking that, you know, we can just move along. It's not a continuation of past religions. It's not even a continuation of Judaism. It's something entirely Brand new. Because Jesus didn't say, this is another covenant. Right? This, add this one on to the other covenant. This is kind of like, you know, the, the expansion pack of the game. That's not what Christianity is. See, the religious people try to add Jesus to all their rules and regulations. Yeah, you, you so, so, so to begin with God, you've got to believe in Jesus. you gotta, you got to, of course, you got to trust in Jesus, right? But then you gotta, you got to make sure you don't do this. you got to make sure you do this. Don't do that, don't do that. If you do do that, then go do this. Right? It's like playing one of those wacky board games where you have to sit through the instructions for an hour and then you finally get to play and realize it's not that fun. <laughs> See? Killer bunnies, sure. So, often I think people reject religion and Jesus at the same time. And that's a huge mistake. Like, to, to, oh, I'm not very religious, so I don't, I don't need to really think about that Jesus. I don't even, I'm, not, you know, I'm not one of those churchy type. I don't need Jesus. That's a huge mistake. It's, it's, a, it's a sad mistake because Jesus rejected religion too. See? 
So Christianity is not more religion or different religion. It's something brand new. See, Jesus replaced guessing about... Guess? Guess? I'll be very still. But see, it's not, it's not religion. Jesus replaced guessing about God with knowing God. Well, is, is, is there a God? I, well, I don't know, but we better do this just in case. All right? Well, I mean, is there a God? I don't know. Well, what if you're wrong? Well, just in case. Okay, I'll become a Christian. Oh, or just in case, I'll, I'll pray to this idol. I don't know if they hear me, but, you know. Jesus replaced guessing about God with actually knowing him, as we learned last week. Knowing him as a loving, perfect father. Jesus also replaced temples and priests with a new family of brothers and sisters. You don't have to go to a place to know God. You don't have to go through a person to be better with God. You don't have to go to church to make God like you. Now, you get to be the church. Be Jesus' gathering with other brothers and sisters who are following Jesus. He also replaced being afraid of God with peace with God. Oh my gosh, I messed up. Now I'm going to get zapped. Now my kids are going to get sick. Now my crops are going to fail. Now I'm not going to get that promotion at work because I sinned against the Lord. Jesus says, you're forgiven. You don't have to be scared. You can have peace. You can come to me with that and say, I I messed up again. And he says, I know. Let me lift you up. Let me empower you to do better next time. Let's continue walking together. Don't have to be afraid of him. You can have peace with him. And Jesus replaced lists of rules, over 300 for the Jews, with the law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. You don't have to memorize lists of rules. All we have to do is ask, what does love look like right now? In this situation, with this person, what does love look like? Well, you know, in Leviticus chapter 7, verse, what does love look like? You know the answer. That's the law Jesus said. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. What does love look like? And so what does that mean for us? It means no more groveling. It means no more wondering if we've done enough good to be good enough with God. We don't have to say, well, I hope I'm good with him. I don't know if my good outweighs. It doesn't matter. See, no more searching for intangible, unattainable answers. Well, is he out there? I don't know. It's kind of, if you feel it, you feel it. No, no more searching for that. We can stop trying to be religious and confidently accept and enjoy God's relationship. You don't have to try to be religious anymore. That's good because I'd get kicked out. We can just accept and enjoy a relationship with God now and forever. And see, to actually have this relationship, to have this forgiveness, we have to receive it. We have to accept it. The word was accept. We have to accept it. We'll move this a little bit. Hold on. There. See? See, here's the thing. With my kids, when they want something, like if they wanted like this awesome toy, Said, I want it, I really want it. Dad, please, 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 can you have it? Please, please, please. If you know me, I'm gonna go buy it because that's if Liz isn't home, we're gonna go buy it. 
okay? But let's say I did buy it, and I wrapped it up, and I said, here you go. Here's that gift you wanted. And they said, Dad, please, can I have it? Please? I, you know what? I'll do the dishes if you give it to me. I said, here it is. Have it. No, 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 no. No, uh, you know what? Can I have it? I'll, I'll pay you five bucks for it. Well, it costs 30, but thanks. You know? No, please. Can I, you know, what, I'll, what if, and I'm saying, you, it's right here. Just unwrap it and open it. No, Dad, what if, what if I light a bunch of candles and sing songs about you? Can I have it then? No, it's already here for you. You can have it. Unwrap it. It's right here. If they never accept it and they never unwrap it, do they have it? Is it theirs? No, they never received it. I'm still holding on to it, wanting to give it to them. But they won't just accept it. Now, if they finally accept it as a gift and unwrap it, what do they do? Well, we've raised them right, so they say thank you. And then they go and feel bad every time they they look at it. No, they go and they enjoy it. And they tell their friends about it. And since we've raised them right, they share it. Just kidding, they'll still fight. But just pretend, they share it. Because they're so excited about it, right? And they're just like, wow, this has made a difference in my life. Here, I want to share this, this gift with you. Hopefully you see the parallel here. We can stop trying to earn a relationship. Stop trying to earn forgiveness with God. We can just accept it and enjoy it because he's offering the gift to us. See, it's not about God getting to like you or notice you. He already likes you a lot. I'll say it again. I'll say it a thousand times. If somebody will die for you, they are for you. And they probably like you. God likes you. God notices you. In fact, what he's been trying to do, maybe one of the reasons you're here, one of the reasons you're watching online, is because he's trying to get you to notice him. Because he's so crazy about you. He wants to have that relationship with you now and forever. And so really, there's really not much more for me to say except to offer you the gift. It's wrapped. It's ready for you. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to accept this forgiveness and this relationship for the first time? Maybe you've never realized it's right there for you and you've never accepted it. So I want to give you a chance just to accept it. And when you're, if you're watching online, you can do the same thing. But the best way we can, I could think of doing this is kind of in a religious way, but it's not. It's just so we can talk a little bit. So if you would just bow your heads, close your eyes, don't look at me. But if this gift, this is just the best way I could think of communicating with you guys. The, if this gift is something you want, something you've never opened, you never said, Jesus, I want to be forgiven. I want to be loved. I want to be accepted by you. I want to be a Jesus follower. If that's something you've never done, you're like, now, yes, I want to open that gift. All I want you to do, just look at me in my eyes. Make eye contact with me. Let me know that that is you. You've never done it before. You're like, yes, I want this relationship today. Look at me. Yes? Awesome. If you're online, you can do the same thing. I mean, I won't see you, but 
you can email us and tell us. If that's something you want, let me just pray with you. Pray for you. You can repeat in your head. You can repeat out loud if you want, but you don't have to. Just tell God what you want to do. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I know I can't do anything to cover my, my sin, my evil. I know I just have to accept your free gift. Forgive me for the evil I've done. Make me new. Make me yours. Thank you for making a way to erase the sin problem. Thank you for making a way for me to be with you. I now accept that I don't have to do anything to have a relationship with you, but just trust and accept that gift. Amen. Now keep, keep your heads, heads bowed and eyes closed because I know there's people here who have accepted that gift, but for some reason there's, there's, there's something about that gift, that forgiveness that you still feel like you have to earn. Maybe, maybe yes, you've accepted the gift, but maybe it's time for you, you need to relax and simply enjoy it. Enjoy what has already been given to you. You can't be enough because that's not the, you can't do enough good, and good is not the requirement. The requirement is trust. You just have to trust. If that's you, you're like, you know what? I, yeah, I accepted, but for some reason, I just feel like I have to do more to make God like me. I just want to, I just want to relax and enjoy. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just look at me so I know there's people to pray with. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Yep, yep. Cool. Here's, here's what I want you to say, just, or you can if you want. If you're online, do the same thing, but in your heart, just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me once and for all. Help me to remember that. Help me to simply trust that and allow you to make me new. Thank you for loving me. Amen. So what if, what if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loved you and was for you? I mean, think about it. What would you be afraid of? The God of the universe who created everything loves you and is for you. What's there to be afraid of? What would you need to hide? You've been completely forgiven and he knows everything. What would you need to hide? Who would you need to pretend to be? Nobody. You can just be yourself because that's who he made you to be on purpose. You don't need to pretend to be holier than you are, more religious than you are. You simply have to trust and accept and enjoy being who God made you to be. Because trusting the real Jesus frees you to be the real you. Trusting the real Jesus frees you to be who you were always meant to be from the very, very beginning. And so we're going to celebrate that. I'm going to invite Michael up to sing, us, to sing with us one more song. And what we're going to do is kind of do what Jesus told us to do, is remember him. We have some, some crackers and juice. We call it bread and wine because we don't have our liquor license yet. But, <laughs> well, you'll see. So, we have crackers and grape juice to represent the bread and the wine, which represent Jesus' body broken for us, his blood 
shed for our forgiveness. And often I think this gets this deep mystical feeling and it, you know, it can't, it can't be a feeling thing, but it's a celebration. It's not like a woe is me. Oh my gosh, you did this for me. I'm so evil. I was like, God, you're amazing. I was evil and you died for me. Thank you. It's a celebration. See, and taking, taking this bread, taking this, this juice really is an act of receiving the gift. You're not receiving it over and over and over, but remembering, yes, I received that gift. Maybe for you today, this is the first time you can say, I am receiving Jesus' free gift of forgiveness by remembering his broken body and his shed blood. It's a way to remember that you have signed on. Like, yeah, I, I want to be on that contract, that one-way contract where God does everything for me. That sounds good. He forgave me. That's all I have to do is trust that. I'm in. See, it's a reminder that we are experiencing the new way of relating to God. So instead of, you know, just constantly asking for forgiveness with communion, it's we can thank him for forgiveness. We can celebrate how great his love is and celebrate that it's a new relationship and not a new religion. And so as, as Michael plays, you can, you can sing along, but we're going to, as, if, you, if you feel led, if you feel up for it, if you, you feel ready, just come, get a cracker, get a cup of juice, take it back to your seat, and then at the right time, I'll come up and we'll take it together. We'll be in communion together with our Lord. So let's sing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. So Jesus said, do this. Eat this bread, drink this wine to remember that I made a new covenant, not a continuation, not more rules, but a new relationship, a new way to be with God, be right with God, have a perfect relationship with God. So we do this as a thank you, as a remembering thank you. So let's take the bread and eat and say thank you. And then the juice. When you drink it, it'll feel like you're washing down that dry cracker. You're being washed new, right? A new life. Thank you for this refreshing new life. Let's drink it. stand and finish the song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me So maybe, whoops, maybe today you said Yeah, I want to receive that free gift For the first time Tell us. That's what this card also has. It has a place that says, I recently decided to follow Jesus today in the last month, in the last six months. Tell us. We want to celebrate with you. We want to say, hey, and here's your next step. Here's where we go from here. Here's how we make that relationship part of your daily life. We want to do that. Online, you can send us an email and do the same thing, and we will definitely get back to you. Maybe you said, you know what? I have accepted, but, you know, I, I looked at you, and I wanted to just really rest and enjoy that. Fill out the card, too. So I can just congratulate you on that as well. I like to send emails. It's fun. So let us know what's going on. But I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you enjoy the gift of God. I hope you accept the gift of God and that you offer it to others. We'll see you next week. Bye.